Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? April 3rd edition of the Fightful MMA Podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Make sure you follow me online at Showdown Joe. Give us a follow online as well via social media at Fightful MMA and FightfulMMA.com for all your mixed martial arts news. Uh, an interesting weekend took place in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, if you want to talk about sports entertainment, which we've talked about on numerous occasions on this podcast here, uh, it was all about WrestleMania. Uh, so pretty, uh, it, 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 don't, don't think it's funny the UFC didn't have a show this weekend. Uh, I know they've had shows with WrestleMania before, maybe one or two in the past but uh, fairly strategic that there was no show this weekend. Obviously, WrestleMania uh, taking up the majority of buyers' money. Uh, lots to discuss today, especially with uh, finally a UFC show uh, next weekend or this weekend coming up with UFC 210 in Buffalo. Uh, by the sounds of it, I am going. Uh, I have been contacted by the UFC, the old Zufa regime. My friends, uh, when I used to have UFC Central, have reached out. So it looks like I will be going, leaving for Buffalo potentially on Wednesday. Uh, but before Buffalo, uh, a city that I've been to on numerous occasions, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we are joined now uh, by Mitch Broody from Eight Limbs MMA. Mitch, what's going on, my man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, what's going on in the world of Philly and mixed martial arts? I mean, uh, it, it's a city that's slowly but surely, uh, I should say slowly but surely, but uh, you got some fighters coming out of there. Yeah, there's a couple of really good boxers coming out of here. I know uh, Eddie Alvarez came out of here a while back. But yeah, it's really exciting. We got a, the martial arts scene around here is picking up drastically. So there's a lot of good MMA g- or uh, Muay Thai gyms in the area. We got Daniel Gracie's training out of here now. So I know he's doing some stuff uh, with MMA now. So he's picking up a little bit. It's getting exciting. Uh, we also have the live chat, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget, uh, if you're tuned in live right now, the live chat on the right-hand side of your screen, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, Throw in your questions, comments, concerns to Mitch and myself, and we'll try and get to as many as we can uh, throughout the podcast. One is already up there from uh, TJ, TJAD Fins for Life. We'll get to that in a moment because we'll talk about UFC 210 in a bit. But the first thing that went down last weekend was Bellator 175. King Mo, uh, I guess, exacts his revenge over Rampage Jackson. Uh, not the most exciting fight uh, if you're a mainstream fan, if you're a, you know, a hardcore fan that understands the nuances of, of grappling, that understands the nuances of, of you know, 
negating someone's uh, strengths, like Rampage, whose, whose goal is to just put your head in the second row. Uh, King Mo did a pretty good job in neutralizing Rampage. And there was one, I guess you could say it was either a high crotch or a single leg takedown, where he picked up Rampage, like, like a piece of paper, akin to when Travis Brown picked me up in Denver, on the streets of Denver when I was signing autographs for fans. He picked me up like I was a piece of paper. Um, Mitch, you take a look at King Mo. Now, he's basically number one, exact his revenge. So they're one and one, which is Latin for a potential trilogy fight later on. Exactly. But we don't know where Rampage is going. I mean, first things first, right. your thoughts uh, on, Ramp- on, on King Mo winning that fight, and where is Rampage going next? I mean, King Mo winning, I think, is, I think it's good for the sport. I mean, number one, you said there's the, the trilogy coming, and fans love trilogies. We all love trilogies. You got the Connor and Nate trilogy kind of hopefully going to happen eventually. So I think King Mo winning just makes sense. He's younger, more powerful coming through now. But Rampage, like you said, he just he's looking to knock your head off. And I think jiu-jitsu is just becoming so important to know to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu. You have to be good at it. It used to be that you could strike, you could be, you could be okay at jiu-jitsu and get yourself out of the way. But I think it's just showing more and more and more that you can't do without it. As far as where does Rampage go next... I don't know what he, like he's getting older now. So I think you're going to start seeing more of these GSP Bisbing fights with rampage. He's a name that's going to bring people in. So he's just going to look for those money fights or at least it would make sense for him to do that anyway. Yeah. I mean, the conversation with rampage is that there's a contract there waiting for him. Uh, even under the new ownership with the UFC. And based on some of their, I guess, matchmaking uh, that's upcoming, it is all about money fights and we all know rampage will move the needle. Oh, absolutely. I don't I don't know if it makes sense for Rampage to come over. You would have to look at the contract and see. But I honestly believe GSP wouldn't have come to the UFC if he had a choice. He has that deal with Under Armour. You can bring your own sponsors at Bellator. You can bring your own sponsors elsewhere. That Reebok deal, I think, hurts a lot of fighters coming in. So I think if he I, I think he would probably want to stay in Bellator if he can get the money fights there. True, uh, and I concur with that. In terms of the the Under Armour and what George told me before that press conference with Michael Bisping when I, when we were just you know shooting the breeze via text, um, I I knew that that was one of the stumbling blocks, and mm-hmm. I, it was a question I had asked him a while ago. There's a video online when we did the when George and I did a Q and A at the Gentlemen's Expo, and I brought up the Under Armour thing, um, and he didn't know what to really say at the time, and then as the as the as they got closer and he was talking to Ari Emanuel uh, and the new peeps over at, at Zoof or at uh, the UFC about signing the deal. As the rumors are coming out that he did sign, I texted him right away. I'm like, Hey, what's happening with Under Armour? Like, can you still do it? What, what, what's the, and he yeah. flat out told me, he goes, just think of Tom Brady. He goes, if you Google Tom Brady and Under Armour right now, you will see Tom Brady wearing Under Armour. But when he plays and he puts on the jersey of the New England Patriots, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're they're sponsored by Nike. Yeah, Yeah, so Nike. So you wear Nike when you play on the field. And in the UFC, when you compete in the octagon, you wear Reebok. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, you can do whatever you want. So I had never thought of that. And George kind of made it clear to me. So I kind of get that. He can have his own sponsors. Rampage can. That's factual, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, UFC, son. Gear, right? Exactly. So yeah, I think that's of, where the yeah. Go ahead. I think that's where the difficulty comes in for a lot of fighters. If you uh, GSP is prime example. If you make a deal with Under Armour, they want those views. You're getting in front of millions of people. They want their product seen. 
Yeah, that's fact. I mean, that, that's with any sort of sponsorship. You want to get a return on your investment. You want to get activation. Uh, you want to ensure that whatever money you're putting out for whatever professional athlete or product itself, uh, there's going to be a massive return uh, in order to, to justify that investment. Um, mm-hmm. King Mo's next opponent will be Ryan Bader. And we had talked on this show here when the Bellator New York City pay-per-view was announced that there's going to be one more fight added. Well, it was supposed to be two more fights at the time that were going to be added to the main card for the pay-per-view. And Ryan Bader, upon signing with Bellator, had already called out Phil Davis. And Phil Davis said, oh, hell yeah, we can do this. Let's do it. So the natural assumption was there was no title fight yet on the Bellator New York City pay-per-view card. And we thought, hey, you know what? There's a fight right there. Are you surprised that Bellator will not be giving Ryan Bader an immediate title shot, and instead uh, it'll be King Mo versus Ryan Bader next? I don't know if I'm surprised. I think the I think Bellator is looking at the UFC and looking at the money fights and seeing what they bring in. So title title fights are great, but if there's a money fight to ha- to be had, you're going to make that fight happen. And I think King Mo and Bader is a money fight. Yeah, it's it's people will tune into that because obviously there's that crossover audience that knows who Ryan Bader is. Exactly. Uh, that'll follow him over to Bellator. Not the biggest crossover audience, but big enough to say, oh, Ryan Bader's fighting where? Oh, yeah, he was in the UFC. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll follow him to a pay-per-view. I think they would follow him to a free fight on television, uh, mm-hmm. but it remains to be seen. I mean, you've got to look past the bubble that is Ryan Bader's friends and family and, and fan base and, and go a little bit bigger to determine if someone will put money up just for Ryan Bader. But that card, you know, it's, it's not too bad. It's, it's crazy. Um, the, the one thing I do want to talk about, you, you and I were talking about it before we came on the air, was Fighters Union or Fighters yeah. Association and what it can actually mean. Uh, for the fighters, especially in this type of situation. And I know Conor McGregor, when he got his California State Athletic Commission license under boxing, technically falls under the Muhammad Ali Act. Uh, that's going to be a game changer. If he fights Floyd oh, yeah. Mayweather, it's going to be a game changer. I mean, your thoughts on all this and how it all comes together with a potential fighters union and or fighters association or representation? Yeah, I think, I, well, I think looking at Ryan Bader, number one, he had to he transferred over to Bellator for a huge reason in that he could bring his own sponsors. You look at people like... Uh, Brendan Schaub makes a huge – he talks about it a lot and that he made a lot of money because he brought sponsors, and he would have lost a lot of money coming in under the Reebok deal. You look at GSP, you look at Conor McGregor, and one of the biggest problems I see is you're limited to UFC right now, the way the contracts – or you're limited to any organization, whether it be Bellator, UFC, Cage Madness, Glory, whichever you want to you know, pick your poison. And it was something that actually uh, – when I grew up, I used to race stock cars. And this is something that we kind of saw back then was tracks needed cars to come out, but they were afraid of losing cars to other tracks. And what people failed to realize is you're also stopping anyone else from coming into you. So I think where you see that Ryan Bader, you have that crossover from the UFC coming over, small audience maybe, but an audience nonetheless. But think of the crossover if King Mo was allowed to come fight a fight in UFC. If King Mo and Connor could fight, that's a money fight waiting to happen. If Rampage could come back and fight uh, DC or come fight Anthony Johnson or come fight someone over there from USC, you have a huge crossover there that's going to happen. So I think if you could make a fighter union that would allow you to fight within various promotions, you're helping not only the fighters because they have a chance to get more fights or get bigger money fights, but you're also helping the promotions get those ticket sales or get those pay-per-view sales. So... The devil's advocate argument from a promotional perspective is that if you're, if you're the UFC, I'll give the UFC as an example. We're putting all this money into promoting this fighter, that fighter, blah, blah, and then we've built this person into somewhat of a star, 
and now he's going to fight a Bellator. And if he loses at Bellator, his stock value drops. Why do we want him back? Yeah, I mean, that's a great argument. I think that's a valid argument. But I think to the same extent, that's your guy going there. But I think the same risk is taken for anyone at Bellator promoting their guys. So Bellator has put a ton of money into promoting King Mo all these years, getting him to where he is, getting the, the stock up in him. And if he comes over to UFC and loses, they have, this, they have the same risk. But the benefit is when King Mo comes over to the UFC or Conor McGregor comes over to Bellator, you're getting all those ticket sales too. The UFC gets that benefit of having the ticket sales or Bellator gets the benefit of having the ticket sales or Glory or who pick, you know, pick your pick your promotion. Here's some sirens back there. Is that normal? Yeah, yeah, every now and then we get a little uh, you know, city life in here, so <laughs> Yeah, no, it is Philly. I've been there a few times. Uh, love the city. Passionate folks out there, don't mess around though. Do not mess around. Do not attempt to be a tough guy in Philly because oh, okay. you will get answered right away. Um, TJ Day Fins for Life uh, is all over the live chat right now. He's got a bunch of questions up there that I'll, I'll attack one by one, uh, but I'll take a piece of one of his questions. He says, Bader's a pussy for going to Bellator. Uh, I respectfully disagree because if I'm a fighter, like Bader, I think the UFC could do a lot more with Ryan Bader, especially considering he was doing pretty damn good in the octagon, winning some fights, and then that whole situation that arose with him and DC starting off at that press conference, that was a simple fight to make for DC, in my opinion. Uh, that could have been an easy, easy pay-per-view sell. So many clips could have been pulled from so many different scenarios. But Bader has to do what's right for Bader, in my opinion. And he's got a family. He's got, he's got to put food on the table. He's got to make money. And if the money is right at Bellator and he's not getting a push from the UFC to move up the rankings and get that title shot, I can't fault him from going to Bellator. No, absolutely. But, you know, you mentioned DC. And that may, I, I got a question for you then. Why do you think DC gets no love at all? Like, he just... People don't seem to grasp on to DC like they do so many other fighters. So me personally, knowing DC from, from way back when, back in his uh, Strike Force days, mm-hmm. uh, I can tell you he's a character. He's a lovable character. Uh, he, he technically is respected. Now, I cannot speak uh, from an American perspective because we don't get um, UFC Tonight here, as you guys get on FS1. So I don't know how he resonates with the fan base through that show. What I do know up here is that he's very respected, but he doesn't make noise. And when I say make noise, I will always continually go back to the old adage I had uh, when I did uh, uh, Battlegrounds with uh, Jim Ross and uh, Chael Sonnen. And Jim Ross explaining to, to the fighters, the new guys that were in the tournament, those that were alternates, explaining the art of making noise. And if you don't make noise... It's not going to work for you. You're not going to. The quote what he said was, "It doesn't put cheese on your whopper, right?" I don't have that Oklahoma <laughs> accent, but you know what I'm saying. So DC yeah. to me is a fantastic character. He's got a, a, an incredible story, a sad story. Uh, when you want to take a look at what happened to one of his daughters, or one of his kids, uh, a wonderful story. When you take a look at, he's become a world champion. This guy could be a heavyweight champion right now in the UFC if he wants to compete at heavyweight. So he's got a wonderful story. It just doesn't seem to resonate with people because the majority of people, mainstream wise, seem to fall. Fall in train wrecks. Seem to be falling in love with people that that 
you know, Shark the World, the Diaz brothers, the McGregors, the Loud Talkers, the, the Chael Sonnens, the guys that are controversial, and it takes a long time for them to fall in love with a guy like Daniel Cormier and or even George St. Pierre, because GSP mm. caught lightning in a bottle. GSP caught lightning in a bottle the day he got on his knees and begged for the title shot or the second title shot uh, versus Matt Hughes. And people fell in love with him there. Uh, but he had a whole massive country hungry uh, for the UFC behind him. And that's where the support came. Those mm. Canadians would flock, Mitch, to, to all the different places that GSP was going to compete in, not just in Canada, uh, but south of the border. So he did have that following, which, again, subliminal, subliminally raises the awareness in people's heads. Oh, my God, this guy, this guy's he's popular. And he's a good-looking kid. You know, at the time, he's still good looking now, but he's a good look. He's a good looking guy at the time, and you know, he just he had that Adonis body. People fell in love with him. DC has that dad's bod. He could be a badass. He's a world champion, but just doesn't seem yet to resonate with the fans. I mean, you tell me what it's like in the states to follow a you know former Olympian like that. Well, that's that's. I mean, I love DC. I think he's a great fighter, and I think, like you said, he's got a great story, and he's an he's an Olympic wrestler an Olympic meddling wrestler to like, how do you not fall in love with that person? Then you see him go in the ring and he just, he uses that wrestling. He tears people up with the wrestling. And I, I, I agree. I think it's because he's so quiet. He just doesn't make a lot of noise. He doesn't get out there in front of, he's not a big trash talker, at least like Connor and Bisping. But ultimately I think he deserves so much more respect and so much more note, like notice than he gets. I think, if he was to defeat John Jones, he'd be recognized. That he'd, People would be like, that's the man right there. Uh, despite him already competing against John Jones, him already defeating Anthony Rumble Johnson just simply isn't enough. If he takes out John Jones, that will be the eye-opener uh, for the mainstream audience. Again, hardcore fans know who he is. We know that. Mm-hmm. But you take out John Jones, who is obviously uh, above the MMA bubble, uh, into the mainstream bubble. Uh, you know, John Jones's popularity is is also, you know, not just because he's arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time, the most one of the most gifted fighters who just put in the work. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but the dude's a train wreck outside of the octagon. Yeah, he gets you know? a lot of notice. He gets in a car accident. He hits, you know, he, he hits a pregnant lady in a car. He's, you know, there's the drug this, the drug that, the 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 masking agents, the this, the that. You know, people are like, this guy's a train wreck, but I want to see him fight, and I want to exactly. see him lose, or I want to see him destroy people. Right? Yeah, he's a draw, win, lose, or draw. He brings people in, whether they want to see him win, whether they want to see him get destroyed, whatever the case. He's bringing the bringing the views. I would make the argument based on your on your question with Daniel Cormier that if Anthony Rumble Johnson wins on Saturday. This this could be a budding superstar in the making here because, yeah, he's got some stories, both positive and negative, behind him. But if Rumble can finish Daniel Cormier and the end result is having the belt wrapped around his waist, we potentially could see a superstar, especially an advocate of a guy that's got pit bulls and a guy that loves dogs. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stories you could run with Anthony Rumble Johnson here. Oh, yeah. I think that's all. You see him win that belt, you have to believe Rumble, these, or, uh, Rumble John Jones is happening. You yeah, want to talk about a super fight? That's a super fight. Well, that's the question that people were that that I've seen online uh, over the weekend. Mitch is John Jones's return. Does he get an immediate title shot? Uh, the argument was that no, he should fight a guy like Jimmy Manoa upon his return, uh, quote unquote, a tune-up fight. Because I know Dana White said that you know we will never have John Jones headline a pay-per-view again. He's just too risky. He just causes too many problems. But the reality is, you may have to. 
So the question is, if Anthony Rumble Johnson does emerge victorious, you got to put, in my opinion, John Jones versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. If DC emerges victorious, maybe you do Anthony Rumble Johnson versus John Jones at a later date. Yeah. I, personally, I'm against having anyone have time off, come back and immediately fight for a title. I don't care how big your draw is. I, I think you have a division. You have people that have been working to get that belt. You have, you look at Yoel Romero. He's been waiting for his title shot. And then you have GSP jump in front of him. You have Dan Henderson jump in front of him. I don't think that should happen. You have, I think you have the rankings. You have fighters who are working to get that belt. And you have a guy who's been off for three years who missed two fights come in and jump right in front of everybody again. But on the flip side, I can see why they would do it. It's a money fight. And that's what the UFC is all about that's right it. now. Those they got to get back money. that investment. They got to get back that investment. Uh, TJ Dates, guys, don't forget, uh, if you're tuned in live right now, the live chat is up. Uh, there's a lot of conversation going on there. I'll try and sift through. Uh, I may have to go back and forth, guys, uh, to get to some of your questions. Um, TJD Fins for Life, once again, has Ferguson versus Habib been rebooked? No, because... Habib is about to go through Ramadan right now, so he will not be competing likely until September. Uh, if you if you see the podcast with Sean Ross Sapp and myself, uh, Sean broke it down quite eloquently. Uh, Habib's not coming back. He's got to go through uh, Ramadan, so that's not going to happen. It's Musasi's time. Do you think he finishes Weidman? Oh, do I think he finishes Weidman? Wait a second. Um, that's the fight I'm more excited about on 210 than anything, Weidman Musasi. You think he finishes Weidman? Or does Weidman finish... Musasi, or who emerges victorious? I want to see Musasi win it, but I don't know if either of them are going to finish each other. They're both tough guys. I think? cannot see a finish in that fight. I don't yeah. see a finish in that fight. I know anything can happen. Uh, and the amount of, of – uh, I'd say pressure with Chris Wyman having to fight in New York State is one thing. He wants to be on that Long Island card that's upcoming later on the summer. But he's fighting, quote-unquote, in his home state – it's a bit of a drive from Long Island uh, to Buffalo. I get that. But the crowd will be behind him. Uh, you know, Americans, you know, we can laugh at those USA, USA, USA chants. I get it when I'm down there. Totally get it. But they're going to support their own. Support yeah. their own. Uh, and the fan base in Buffalo. Now, there's going to be a lot of fans from Canada traveling down. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why, uh, Mitch. Buffalo, from where I live, and I live just northeast of Toronto. Like, I'm a Toronto guy. Born and raised in Toronto. People ask me, where am I from? I live in Toronto, just slightly northeast in one of the suburbs. It's a two-hour drive to Buffalo, mm-hmm. okay? If it's a two-hour drive for me, and then you do basically what, what – if people could see my hand, my fingers on the screen, uh, you start here. Uh, you got to go around Lake Ontario until you get down to Buffalo. So it's a, But from where I'm at here, at the, picture, ladies and gentlemen, the top of a circle, and I'm going uh, counterclockwise from 12 to 6. Uh, by the time you get to 11, 10, 9, 8, there are many, many populated cities there, uh, big UFC fans, Hamilton, Kitchener, Waterloo, that are easily going to make the drive to Buffalo to watch a UFC event because it's less than an hour for them, maybe an hour and a half. You also have Rochester. So there'll be a lot of – and, of course, the people, that live in Buffalo. So there's going to be a ton of people that are going to be at this show here, uh, Canadian-wise. But American-wise, the American fans up in upstate New York are massive Chris Weidman fans. So he will be willed to win in that fight. So it won't be easy for Musasi. The problem with Musasi is sometimes he fights at the level of his opponents. So if the pressure is off from Chris Weidman, we could see Musashi sign or uh, uh, shine. If Weidman fights slowly, which I doubt he will, 
you could see a boring fight here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, too, a lot of times those big fights where you have two great fighters turn out to be boring fights because you have two great fighters that respect each other's power very much. You can't take those lightly. When you know a guy can knock you out, when you know how good your opponent is, you're going to have the respect going into that fight. Absolutely. Uh, on the live chat, Ole Sammy Ole, who caused havoc last week. He's awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, if GSP gets a title fight upon return, then John Jones should get a title fight at heavyweight. Heavyweight? Hold it now. You mean light heavyweight. Oh, I hope that's what you mean, uh, Ole Sammy Ole, because uh, – and, and, and what Mitch and I are talking about is, is money fights, man. UFC is yeah. all about money fights right now. I get it. I understand it. Uh, my article – my latest article on, on FightfulMMA.com, I call the rankings a gimmick. It is an absolute gimmick uh, because no one seems to be technically fighting someone in the rankings, and it doesn't matter who the media that are allowed to vote on the rankings – uh, have anything to say. It's just going to be whatever the UFC wants. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now, here's something I just thought of. Kind of the, the rankings brought me to it, but it's a little off topic. But I want to get your opinion on it because we have 210 coming up. UFC London, Fight Night London, to me, had some of the worst refing in it at all, period. <laughs> okay. You had refs breaking up standing clinches. You had refs breaking people up on the ground that shouldn't have been broken up. People are getting choked out and left in the choke for five, ten seconds. But the the refing, do you think the refing needs to be more standardized than it is or more training on the refs part? Because we have some refs that are very, very good. But then you have some refs that are not. I've been on the soapbox for the better part. I'll tell you right now how long I've been on the soapbox. Ladies and gentlemen, sorry, I'm just looking over. 2010 is when I got certified uh, by Big John McCarthy. And 2011 was my judge. 2011? 2011 was my judging course. So ref uh, certification in two- 2010. Uh, 2011 was my judging. Oh, God, if I can see that correctly. Um, and, and that's when I started the soapbox. So it's been about six, seven years now when I realized that we definitely need some sort of system that will ensure that every single referee and every single judge that sits cage side or enters a cage or a ring um, is certified and understands the nuances that make up mixed martial arts. Because you cannot come over from boxing. You cannot come over from being a judo ref in the Olympics. You cannot come over from anything other than understanding mixed martial arts and understanding what is a mixed martial arts fight. The striking to the takedowns, to the defense, to the get-ups, to the, uh, the, the reversals, to the submissions, and understanding. Uh, I, I've, I've been at events where guys have been in Von Flu chokes, and the referee is not even paying attention. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, the mechanics of a choke are very, very simple. There is a, a carotid artery that goes up, just follow the ear, okay? If there's any pressure on both sides, doesn't matter if you're grabbing it with one hand, if you're doing a rear naked, if you're doing a Von Flu, if you're doing a, 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 an arm triangle, a choke is a choke. You need to pay attention to when a fighter's into a choke. Uh, you also need to pay attention to what's happening in the clinch. 
Okay, clinch is basically an aggressive position unless they literally are standing still and doing nothing. Well, no, clinch means knees, elbows, uppercuts, uh, plums. There, there, there's options for people in a clinch. You never break up a clinch. I've seen fighters being stood up from the mount. I've seen fighters being stood up in, when they've got back control, which is the ultimate, the best position, most dominant position to be in mixed martial arts. You should never stand. The 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 fact that you need to stand up a fighter who's in rear mount means that fighter's got to be an absolute dummy because if you've got rear mount you better be doing something and i don't care if it's punches to the ears to set up a choke if it's whatever you never stand that up to get that position isn't exactly easy to do you can you know there's good jiu-jitsu guys that'll get it but the standard for refereeing right now and as much as we say the sport in north america uh is 22 23 years old uh maybe 24 years old it's still in its infancy uh there should be a standard right across uh north america especially under the unified rules of mixed martial arts the association of boxing commissions that need to also go global that people need to understand that you know what you cannot have any joe blow who happens to be the nephew of the commissioner stepping in there and being a ref because i'm doing my, my my nephew a favor or my son a favor or a family member a favor it doesn't work that way you need to have some sort of certification uh that says hey I am certified either under Big John's commands course, uh, Herb Dean's course, whomever's course, to say, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I can tell the difference between a double leg, a single leg. I can understand the difference between guard or side control, half guard. I know the difference. Uh, And then when it comes to judging, especially with the changes uh, that happened in 2017, understanding the difference between a 10-10, 10-9, 10-8 round, uh, and understanding what effective striking striking and grappling is. I don't feel we have that just yet. It's going to happen. It has to happen. But not yet. No, it absolutely has to happen because one of the most annoying lines I ever hear is if you don't want it, if you don't want the judges to screw you, don't let it go to the judges. Stupidest saying ever. Stupid. Why have judges if you have to be afraid of them not scoring a fight properly? You might as well just not have judges at that point. Yeah, I understand why Dana White said it. I understand why those that that saying is above some of the doors at the uh, the Ultimate Fighter gym. Mm-hmm. I get it because you want finishes. That's what you want. And it's fine. We, we all want to see finishes. We all want to see first-round finishes, second-round finishes. But if the fight ends up going to the judges' decisions because you are going to get matchups where guys just simply cannot finish – or girls cannot finish each other, they're going to neutralize each other. At that point there, it should fall upon educated, certified individuals that know mixed martial arts to determine, hey, you know what? They couldn't figure out a winner. Now it's up to us to figure out a winner, and it's got to be fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. Slightly off topic, but I needed to get your your feedback on that one because it's just I've, I've seen it more and more, and not only in UFC, I've seen it in Invicta or a couple other fight promotions where the just, the refing isn't what it should be. Yeah, and it also depends on the commission, Mitch. Because yeah. there's there's some Yahoo commissions out there. I can rest assured there are some Yahoo commissions, and some of those Yahoo commissions, when they bring in the Big Johns, the Jason Herzogs, the Herb Deans, I smile. I'm like, okay, so you're going to get some good fight. You're going to get some good refs here. Uh, it's the other refs because they, they can't do all the fights. So, you right. know, I kind of like that. Catherine's finest. If Rumble knocks out DC, does DC retire? Interesting, Mitch. Hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like he would want to get his belt back. Or let's move to heavyweight. Or move to heavyweight. That could be too. But, I mean, he's got so much stuff going on outside of the ring with commentating and being a, a color commentator. What's he, color or? He's color. Yeah, he's color, color commentator. commentator yeah. On, the, on the thing at the shows, rather. 
and his TV stuff on Fox. He's got so much stuff going on. He doesn't need to fight at this point. Catherine's finest. You might be onto something. Yeah. We're going to pay attention to you. Uh, I'm going to say no, though. I'm going to say no because I think Rumble still, or no, excuse me, I think uh, DC still has uh, something left in him. Uh, and I, I did mention heavyweight. And then, of course, Ole Sammy Ole throws this back in our face, Mitch. John Jones versus Stipe, please. I, I don't know about that. I think Stipe's got too much size and power on him. I don't know. That reach, man. Johnny's reach. Johnny's reach is something else. The only, the only thing, okay, I've said it a long time ago, I, and I, I'm going to go back to 2004 uh, when I took an absolute beating online. I mean, the, the fans just ripped me apart after one of my shows uh, when I went you know, across the country with, with, with the TV show, and I said, don't be surprised one day when John Jones moves to heavyweight. Well, I got called every name in the book. Uh, and I'm well, just pay attention because once his body starts getting into that frame where he's packing on a bit more weight and he realizes that it's probably easier for him to compete at heavyweight than it is at, at light heavyweight because he's so dominant right now. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts in my belief that, or my mind, that John Jones will be a heavyweight one day in the UFC and he will have gold wrapped around his waist. Yeah, I think he can. I don't know if, I don't know if he wants to come back at heavyweight because he's not used to fighting it. I think the heavyweights have a substantial power difference. And you see that in any weight division, like when Connor stepped up to fight Nate, you can see that power difference that you're just not used to. And even at 205, the heavyweight, it's not a huge gap. They're still big guys. But if you get hit in the face with, by Mark Hunt, it's going to be a lot different than getting hit in the face by someone at 205. Sean Bio on the live chat right now dropping some I think he's throwing some warning shots right now I don't know what he's thinking right now but do Tiago Alves and Charles Oliveira make weight on Friday morning oh wow well that that's you know what that's a that's a legit question though it is it is I don't know I really don't I hope they do it's gonna be a good fight it's gonna be a great fight I think it's gonna be fantastic but uh yeah the weight is a bit of an issue there um if they, if they both don't make it do you think the fight still happens do you think they'll just do like a catch weight or something, or do you think they're going to call the fight off? Well, it depends on, on, the, on the weight difference because in New York State, they're not messing around. If there's a five-pound difference, I think it was five or seven-pound difference, uh, they will, the, the commission will call that fight. They'll okay. say, nope, it ain't going to happen. Uh, I think it'll happen. I think it'll be fine. Well, Tiago Alves is fighting Cotes. That's a welterweight fight. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, and who is Oliver fighting? Give me one second here. I'm trying to blank here. I didn't think Oliver is on this. Oh, he's fighting Will Brooks. Uh, and I think Oliveira will make weight at 155. Uh, it's not a 145 fight. Uh, and I don't think Oliveira is in a position right now to mess around. You better make that weight, son. You yeah. better make that weight because you are now back at 155. And Thiago Alves as well. I mean, he tried the, the, the lightweight run. Didn't happen. Or he tried to compete at lightweight. Uh, wasn't exactly successful. So uh, I think both guys will make weight. Will they struggle? Yes, Mitch. I think they will. That, that's what they do. Uh, everybody yeah. struggles to make weight unless you're a heavyweight or you're 290 pounds trying to get to 265 just stay away from a buffet for a night and you're fine uh i think they'll make weight yeah i think so especially i mean you it's gotten a lot better you can't use the uh, ivs anymore which does put the hindrance on it but i think stepping up that weight class giving that extra 10 pounds i think it's possible i think i don't think it'll be too hard for them they know what they're doing hopefully uh TJD, TJD Fins for Life and Sean Bayer are going at each other. Mark Goddard from TJ is saying Mark Goddard is the worst ref. And then uh, Sean Bayer says Jaron Vallel is the worst, and he's Canadian. And I said, well, hold on a second. Here's what I'm thinking. Neither Goddard nor Vallel 
are the worst refs out there, in my opinion, because they're being judged on a few errors that they made. I think Goddard's a great ref, as is Jaron, who also helps teach uh, Big John's course. He, it's the same thing that happened with uh, Todd McDonald uh, in the Jermaine Durandamy fight and Holly Holm fight. Um, Todd's a fantastic ref, but made two errors in one fight where now he is being judged based on those two errors, but forget about all the greatness that he's done in the past where you've seen all three of these refs where they're invisible, which is their job, mm-hmm. be invisible, just make sure that the boys or girls are following the, the unified rules of MMA, but when they're involved in a situation, a real-time situation where it's good or bad, and they make the error on the side of caution, which makes them look bad, or they make a blunder or a mistake, that's what they're judged for. I don't believe you should do that because I believe there are refs out there that – are a lot worse that I don't think have uh, that truly understand MMA and need to do a lot more uh, to become educated and, and, and understand the nuances. I mean, I, I'm sure you've, you've been critical of refs before in the past, Mitch. I get it. I understand it. Uh, but being someone that's, that, that's sort of experienced what they've, they've experienced, uh, man, it's real time, man. Absolutely. It's not easy. And I think too, like if you want to look at the Holly and Jermaine Durandamay fight, the ref, the refing is not what, the ultimate dis- discretion is about or discrepancy is about like, even if the ref you could have, I scored it with the one point minus, but even without that one point minus, it's still a draw fight. Jermaine didn't win that fight. So that falls back on the judges, not the refing. So ultimately, yeah, the ref could have changed the outcome, but even if they didn't, Jermaine still didn't win. But when I, when I look at bad refing, I don't, well, I don't think, like you said, it's real time. So if someone gets two extra shots in when someone's out cold, that's because you couldn't get in there quick enough. But when I, there's things like standing up as, or breaking apart a standing clinch pressed against a cage or standing someone up in rear naked. Those are the things where you're just like, to me, I'm just baffled because real time or not, those are both very advantage, very advantageous positions and where things happen. Yeah, no, you're bang on. You're absolutely bang on. Uh, guys, thank you very much. Actually, we've got a few more minutes to go here, guys. Uh, so if you do have any more questions uh, or thoughts, uh, I think TJD, TJD is running this thing today. Uh, Sean Bio's coming in, dropping some bombs. Uh, Vinny Fernando, what's up, my man? You're always on here. Thanks for the love. Uh, but, uh, guys, Catherine's finest. I think uh, that, that that post there, if Rumble knocks out DC, does DC retire? has got a bunch of That's us thinking. Scary. That's the you know that's the winners thus far. Uh, although TJD and Sean Bayou and, and Vinny Fernando, they're gonna they can just take this thing over in a heartbeat and just drop some f bombs and get me in trouble for repeating what they're saying. But uh, we love the support, guys. Uh, let's quickly go through this card uh, for UFC 210. Um, we'll go. We'll just go with the preliminary card on Fox Sports One, and mm-hmm. we'll cruise up to the main card right now. Uh, Patrick Cummins versus Jan Blackowitz. Uh, light heavyweight will kick up the kick off the, the televised prelims. Uh, I'm going with Yan in this fight. Yeah, I think so. That's who I have. And I think there's going to be a finish. TKO. Sorry, Patrick, but yeah. I could. See, I'd like to see that. I could see that happening though. You never know. I mean, light heavyweights, anything can happen. That's a finishing class right there. Yeah, and then you get the featherweight fight between Charles Rosa uh, and Shane Burgos. I mean, Charles Rosa is going to bring in the heat in this fight here. So I think this one will probably go to 15 minutes, but I will not be surprised if it ends within seven minutes sometime in the second round. Yeah, I'm taking Shane in this fight, though. How come? I just He's on that roll. He's got that streak going, 8-0. Throws a lot of shots. I think he's got it. I think he's going to take it home. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. My boy, Kamara Usman. Taking on Sean Strickland, Camaro. I will see you 
Oh, I don't see till May. No, I'll see you this weekend. Obviously, we don't work together for Titan FC until May 18th. Uh, and rumor has it we'll be working a lot more together uh, based on a conversation I had with Lex McMahon, CEO of Titan FC. More on that when Lex allows me uh, to sort of break the news. I can't break the news now, ladies and gentlemen, because it'll probably cost me a meal at Shake uh, or what do you guys call it down there? Shake Shack? Yeah, Shake Shack. Yep. Shake Shack. Uh, we don't have that here in Canada, but whenever I go down there, uh, for those that don't, for those that know me very well, I'm, I'm about as healthy as an eater as I possibly can, except when I'm with Lex McMahon. Uh, I get fat when I do Titan FC shows. I think I come back, I come home about seven pounds over. Uh, it takes me about three or four days, and that's why Frank Trigg and Sean Pearson rip me on these podcasts. They say I look fat. I blame Lex McMahon, but our commentator when I do play-by-play is Kamara Usman. Kush is taking on Sean Strickland. Uh, full disclosure, biased. Kamaro's going to win this fight. Yeah, I'll take that. I agree with that. Uh, I think there's going to be a wrestling clinic, not a wrestling clinic, but there'll be some. Um, he's got to prove a point. They, he, he's adamant that he's the best 170 pound grappler. We all know Damian Maya's right there, obviously, uh, but Kamaro's looking to prove that he is the best at 170, so he has to dominate. He's got to dominate every performance. He's put all this pressure on him. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, great. Ooh, I think I just missed one. One sec. Miles Jerry, Mike Delator. Yes, Miles Jury, Mike Dilatori. Uh Miles Jury going down to one forty five. Uh huh. I'm gonna go with Miles. Yeah. If he's dropping down, he's still he's gonna have that power still. Yeah, Miles has got the speed, he's got the power. Yep. Uh, very aggressive in what he does. Speaking of aggressive, uh, we open up the main card with Will Brooks taking on Charles Oliveira. Uh, I still think Will Brooks wants to prove a lot uh, to the world of the UFC, and I think uh, Charles Oliveira is a perfect example. Uh, I think Oliveira is going to have, if I'm not mistaken, three inches on in reach. I could be completely wrong with that. For the last time I checked the numbers, Charles Oliveira may have that reach. I think Charles Oliveira is a fantastic fighter in the first five minutes to seven minutes, maybe the sec- two and a half minutes into the second round. But after that, uh, he seems to fade. And I think Will Brooks can take over from there and put a hurting on him. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, you, um, Charles Oliveira has a two-inch reach advantage, according to the UFC. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think Will Brooks has it. He wants to make that statement. And I think this is the perfect guy to do it against. Yeah, I think you're spot on on that. Uh, Tiago Alves taking on Patrick Cote. Not much for these guys to consider themselves at, at 170 pounds. It's a fun fight. Uh, we like it. Um, I don't know if someone is going to sleep in this fight. I know that there'll be two guys that are probably going to the hospital after this fight with a lot of bruises all over their body. Absolutely. Who, If you had to put your money on it, who are you taking? Uh, Canadian. <laughs> I've got no choice. I've got to see Patrick when I go down there. If I say anything other than Patrick, I'm going to hear about it for, for months. So I'll have to go with the Predator for sure. Right. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo taking on Pearl Gonzalez. I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of both actually, but uh, I think Sylvia may actually get a, or Cynthia may get a finish in this fight. That'd be good. That'd be good to say. What do you think in this one? I'm not sure. I don't know much about Pearl Gonzalez. So I'm going to say Cynthia just because I've seen her more. All right, Chris Weidman, co-main event, former middleweight champion, taking on Gegard Musashi. Uh, this is your fight of the night, the one you're expecting the most yes. from, the one you're looking forward to the most from. I think Chris Weidman will attempt to put the pressure on there. Uh, I, I'm not saying I've ever been a Chris Weidman believer. He became the world champion. Uh, Gegard Musashi isn't the guy that competed when he competed in Strike Force and or when he fought in Japan. So I, I, I still don't know what to think in this fight here. Uh, I, I think it's going to go with full 15 minutes, and, and whoever has their hand raised, you know, I'll, I'll, I can't clap, obviously, because I'm in media, but I'll be clapping inside. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I don't think it's going to be finished. I think it's going all the way, but I, I want to see Gegard win. 
You want to see Gegard win because it puts a new what new blood at middleweight, causing havoc. Or Chris Weidman stops that that not the hype train, but the train that is Gegard right now. I, I, I'd like to see a little bit of blood come back in, and like I don't think he is what he was at one point, but I want him to show that he is still uh, still a fantastic fighter. All right, main event for the light heavyweight championship of the world. UFC's Daniel Cormier defending that strap against Anthony Rumble Johnson in a rematch. Anthony Rumble Johnson does not care if anyone believes he's a one-round fighter. He is arguably the most dangerous fighter at 205 pounds on this planet. He is one punch away from putting a belt around his waist, whereas DC has a full 25 minutes to be safe if he needs to be and keep that belt around his waist. Yep, absolutely. Cormier's got something to – not Cormier, sorry. Rumble has something that he's got to win the fight. DC's only has to not lose, but Rumble has to win. And I think that's the that's the pressure difference that comes into that fight. There's an adage out there that people say Anthony Johnson eventually quits. If he can't get that knockout in the first two rounds, three rounds – he finds a way to lose fights, whether it's by rear naked choke, whether it's by whatever. Do you buy this adage? I don't think so. I don't believe that at all. These guys spend way too much time, way too much money, and way too much pride to lose a fight if they don't get it their way in the first two or three rounds. I can attest, ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Johnson has been through a lot more in life than any beating he has ever endured uh, inside circle. Uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson has a dark past uh, when he was a child. Uh, I don't know if he'll allow me to, to, to share it, but maybe one day I'll, maybe I'll get the story out of him. We'll see. We'll talk uh, when I get down to Buffalo, but um, I, I don't have a favorite in this fight in my mind. I don't have anyone that I want to win this fight. I will be happy if Anthony Rumble Johnson wins this fight because I think uh, considering what he's been through uh, to become a world champion could, could just change his life uh, continue to change his life for the better. Uh, I, I love the guy to death. I love Daniel Cormier to death. Uh, they're both great guys. Uh, I'll be sitting there with my mouth shut, probably put my phone down, uh, or if I'm there with my laptop, I probably won't say much. Uh, I, I, I don't care who wins this fight. Uh, I, you know, If I'm going to have to pick somebody, I'd like to see Anthony win because I'd like to see DC sort of rejuvenate himself and, and get a little hungrier. Uh, I know he's hungry, but hungrier and maybe have a run at, uh, you know, at heavyweight. It all depends, but, you know, to me, it doesn't really matter, Mitch. I'm happy either way, whomever wins this fight. But if I want to be a little bit happier, I'll go DC. Or sorry, I'll go, I'll go, uh, I'll go Rumble. Rumble. Yep. I'll go Rumble. Obviously, because I, I fear when I go down to Florida, he might catch up with me at Titan and he might slap me. So uh, we'll have to deal with that uh, at another di- another time. Uh, anything you want to say, my friend, before we let you go? Uh, number one, I'm going to talk about uh, moving up to heavyweight. Going to talk about that. With a loss, if DC or Rumble, either of them, on my show this week. Uh, Tuesday, my show comes out, Eight Limbs MMA. Other than that, uh, great show. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you for getting dressed up. I got my Miami shirt because I'm thinking oh, yeah. you know, I want to get down to uh, to Miami as soon as possible, despite the fact that I will be going to Buffalo. Uh, but we do want to thank you for your time. For Ladies and gentlemen, I gave Mitch all of about four hours notice last night to see if he was available for today. So I do, on behalf of the Fightful MMA team, we do thank you very much, Mitch, uh, for coming on on short notice. Uh, Thank you very much. Love talking MMA with you. Love talking MMA with all of you mixed martial arts fans who tuned in live via the live chat. We thank you very much for your comments uh, and your questions for Mitch and myself. Don't forget, follow Mitch online at 8LimbsMMA. Follow yours truly, Joe Ferraro, at Showdown Joe. Follow at Fightful MMA um, on social media. And of course, FightfulMMA.com. 
for all your mixed martial arts news. Tomorrow, we'll be joined once again. It is Tuesday uh, with UFC middleweight Elias Theodoro. If you don't know who he's fighting next, we've already talked about it. But he will confirm it tomorrow, who he'll be fighting uh, in July. Uh, we talked about it on the last podcast. If you weren't paying attention, he was hinting at it through social media. Uh, and as we know, with Elias Theodoro, come every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We have no idea where he's going to be. We don't know what city he's going to be. We don't know if he's going to be topless, if he's going to be wearing shirt, or if he's going to be drinking beers. But if he's got a training camp going on, he's probably not going to be drinking beers, but he will be some sort of gong show and crazy when it all goes down. But... As always, thank you very much to everybody who did tune in live. Uh, To those that are tuning in later on on iTunes and on Stitcher, we thank you very, very much as well. For now, we do say ciao for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.